welcome to another episode of Building Voices, a CMS podcast looking at key themes in construction, court decisions, and talking to those in the know about the industry. My name is Anne Thompson, and I'm an associate in the Infrastructure, Construction and Energy Disputes team, ICE Disputes, based in the Sheffield office. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Tom Savage, an associate in the ICE Disputes team, also based in Sheffield. Tom has acted on various high-value construction matters for both employers and contractors to avoid, manage or resolve disputes, and has recently acted on a significant number of concurrent adjudications. So Tom has joined me today to speak about a recent technology and construction court case um, relating to witness statements. But before we get into the case, it's worth giving a brief recap of what's changed in the world of witness statements. On the 6th of April 2021, an updated practice direction, practice direction 57AC, was introduced for witness statements made for the purposes of trial in the business and property courts. The idea behind the reforms was to try and ensure that trial witness statements focus on the matters of fact that were in dispute, which needed to be proved and which were within the witness's personal knowledge. This was with a background of many witness statements being carefully crafted by lawyers to a point where the words were almost unrecognisable from what was originally said by the witnesses. Now, the reforms have certainly made waves due to their focus on streamlining the process, but have also created quite a bit of judicial discussion in various cases and applications. So, Tom, you were recently involved in one of the key applications relating to the new practice direction. Could you just give us a brief background to the application and what the key points were coming from that judgment? Hi, Anne. It's great to join you, uh, particularly to discuss a CMS case that was handled in our Sheffield office. Um, that case is Blue Manchester Limited and Bug Alu Technic. Um, and I understand the citation will be in the podcast summary for anyone who's interested in reading that judgment. Um, the claim effectively concerns the failure of certain shadow box units in the cladding of Beetham Tower in Manchester. Um, and there was a question as to whether the tenant, that's Blue Manchester Limited, uh, would have liability for repairing those defects or whether that would actually fall to the uh, landlord and the owner of the building. Um, that was decided at trial, but in the current litigation, we have Blue Manchester Limited and the current owner, Deansgate Freehold Limited, both seeking to recover damages from Bug as the cladding subcontractor and from uh, Simpson Hall Architects as the project architect. Uh, the cases are denied um, and witness statements were served in April 2021, uh, just a few days after practice direction 57AC came into force. Um, subsequently, Blue Manchester raised issues to whether the architect's witness statements complied with the uh, practice direction 57AC rules, and that led to an application being made to determine the issue of compliance. Now, there are a number of uh, key requirements that came out of that application hearing, um, and the first one was that the statements must, if practicable, be in the witness's own words and must not be expressed in the third person. Uh, secondly, uh, the statements cannot include opinion about the meaning of a document unless the witness's contemporaneous belief about that document is a relevant issue in the case. Um, third, the statements cannot include argument, for example, that everyone understood a certain thing to be the case. Uh, fourth, the statements cannot quote at any length from documents, take the court through documents or set out a narrative derived from those documents. Uh, fifth, was that the statements must uh, state which parts of those statements are made from the witness's own knowledge and which are a matter of information and belief. And, and if it is the latter, a witness must state the source of that information or belief, uh, which I don't think is particularly controversial. So finally, the statements must state 
uh, if it's practicable to do so, on the uh, important disputed matters of fact, how well that witness recalls the matters addressed in their statement, and also deal with whether the recollection has been refreshed by documents. Uh, and if so, those documents must be identified as well as uh, how and when their memory was refreshed. But the overarching consideration in all of those points is that the party should take a pragmatic approach to resolving any issues with witness statements and any application that is required should be made at a time and a manner that doesn't cause disruption to trial preparation or incur any unnecessary costs. Uh, thank you, Tom. Obviously, there's quite a lot to unpack from uh, the judgment, but I think there are a few points we should probably look at in a bit more detail. So firstly, it appears from those six um, points that the importance or referencing of documents has been significantly reduced. So what did the judge specifically say about cross-referring to documents? Yes, uh, it was said to be acceptable in principle, um, but that it should strictly be limited to where it was necessary, to where a witness can give some additional relevant evidence about what they thought or said or, or even did at the time in response to those documents. Uh, otherwise, a simple summary of events without any reference to documents would usually be sufficient. Um, interestingly, though, with reference to one particularly prolonged chronology in a witness statement, Judge Davis uh, did say that it was a very good illustration of lawyers needing to be prized away from, from the comfort blanket of feeling the necessary um, recital of any thread of correspondence because otherwise it might somewhere disappear into the ether or, or be ruled inadmissible at trial. And I think that's quite, a, quite an interesting concept. In my personal opinion, I think it's quite understandable that the parties to the litigation might want to paint that full picture in witness evidence. But a key takeaway is in effect to trust counsel uh, trust the expert evidence that's out there and the documents that have been disclosed, uh, particularly in construction cases, which are often particularly technical matters. So as you've been describing, it does feel um, from the judgment that there's some frustration from um, Judge Davies that he was having to make a decision on, on this application. Is that your take on the judgment? Uh, yes, slightly, Anne, but I also believe that he saw it as a good opportunity to provide some guidance on, on the operation of Practice Direction 57AC. Um, and he also could build on the judgment of Mrs Justice O'Farrell in the Mansion Place and Fox Industrial Services case, um, because it allowed him to deal with specific points that weren't dealt with there. Uh, so, for example, uh, in the Blue Manchester matter, it was said that any lists or bundles of documents that witnesses were referred to should, in this instance, have been specific to each witness, as opposed to having a composite bundle of documents that all the witnesses were referred to. Um, and, and from my personal point of view, I, I think that whilst it was taken as a, a good opportunity to clarify the operation of Practice Direction 57AC, I suspect that the courts might take a, a more stringent view on future applications, particularly in light of some of the Mansion Place guidance that in future cases, uh, serious consideration should be given to finding a more efficient and cost effective way forward than making a, an application court to decide these matters where possible. So in light of everything that was said in the application and the judgments, what would be your five practical tips for a successful witness statement process? Uh, I would say that, you know, number one, review the relevant rules. Practice Direction 57AC is there for everyone to read and, and it does contain a statement of best practice, which will give everyone a, a good insight. Uh, the, the second uh, tip I would give is to identify all issues uh, which require to be proved at, at trial um, that are relevant to each specific witness. Um, and, and my view on that is that preparation is key. If you don't identify those issues early, the remaining tips are effectively not going to be um, quite as effective. 
But that does roll into my third tip, which is to build on the issues that you have identified by reviewing disclosure. Um, it, it's key to review the documents which are relevant to your witness um, and focus on uh, things that uh, would have been experienced and witnessed by that witness with their own personal senses. Um, but interestingly, the statement of best practice itself does actually say that some of these issues will require witness evidence on them. But if you've considered the documents, you'll see that a number of factual points will actually be answered by the documents themselves. And that really does help the process. Um, so the next tip that I do have is that it's always key once you've carried out the aforementioned is to prepare a note of open questions to be put to that witness. But keep in mind, once again, it's about what they've, they've personally witnessed. If it is something about information or belief, you're going to have to state that and, and the source of that information or belief. And then equally in the current times that we live in, this brings me on to the, the fifth point. So if you can have a face to face meeting, then I, I would say that would be advisable. Um, but if not, use Microsoft Teams or another platform that allows you to record the discussion. Um, recording it will obviously help with drafting the statements down the line. Uh, but if you can't record it, I would say as a general rule, have two lawyers attend. Um, have one lawyer to ask the questions and, and another one purely to take the notes and ensure you get that in the witness's own words, which is quite key under the practice direction. Well, thank you, Tom, for taking us on a whistle-stop tour of this very interesting decision on witness statements. Um, I have no doubt there'll be more applications and judgments uh, to come as lawyers, clients and the courts feel their way through this new practice direction. Um, we hope you join us again for future episodes of the Building Voices podcast and thank you all very much for listening. 